With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection podcast with your host, Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and proud partners of Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on social media on Twitter at TheBleacherCon1 and at TheBleacherCon2 and our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection Podcast. On this week's episode, Ken and I are going to discuss the NHL Super 16 goalies list that was revealed earlier this week. Uh, much like the top 16 forwards, Ken and I definitely have... Uh, some comments we'd like to make on the list. Also, is there salary cap circumvention going on in the NHL uh, with some recent moves by the Tampa Bay Lightning? It's got Ken and I questioning what's going on. And on the theme of salary cap, is it time that the baseball, Major League Baseball, adopts a salary cap? There were some pretty significant moves made in the world of baseball this week that we need to discuss. And is it time? Let's find out. Yeah, and just as a reminder, Trevor and I are really excited here. January 8th, 6 p.m. Eastern on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. The Unhinged Sports Network brings a new exclusive show to the network. And that is two for chirping. It's going to be Trevor and I and Jimmy from far end of the bench. We're going to have a rotating uh, cast from the Unhinged Sports Network come in and give their opinions on the, the NHL season. And... Uh, I know, Trevor, you and I talked before. We were both really excited for this. It's kind of a, a, a dream for us to talk talk hockey. Yeah, two for chirping is an opportunity for Ken and I to do what we love, and that is talk hockey. The Unhinged Sports Network has given us this wonderful opportunity to, to do what is our passion. And like I was talking with Ken off air this morning, we could talk hockey all day long, and that is what we get to do on two for chirping anything any topics any conversation any big games we're going to bring you analysis review and talk about all the news and happenings of the hockey world a reminder it's begins friday january 8th at 4 p.m unhinged sn.airtime.pro we are beyond excited now ken before we get going this is our first episode into the new year and I think we have to kind of look back on the year that was. It was, uh, for everybody, a tremendously difficult year with lots of things going on in our personal lives. And I think we, we need to kind of discuss where this all came from and, and you know, what were some of your highlights from the past year you know, in your life and with the podcast. And you know, 
exciting times have, have happened for you and I in the last year. So, yeah, I think this 2020 was definitely different than uh, any other year. Personally, I think that we've had, it was different. I think it was a good chance to really kind of figure out things I enjoy doing, get a, got a chance to spend more time at home uh, with the wife. We did a lot more, a lot more things that we enjoy, a lot more board games playing, you know, uh, you, you and your wife got us into that, that hobby. So we do spend a lot of time playing that and got a chance to learn some new stuff with the podcast. I, it's just, it's been fun. I think really enjoy doing it. You know, we did a couple, couple episodes back in May in the beginning. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of sports going on at that time and kind of put it on the shelf until September, picked it back up and, you know, ended up getting asked to join the unhinged sports network in early October. So it's been good. Really enjoyed it. I mean, I went back and listened to our first episode thinking it was going to be a train wreck and it actually wasn't that bad. I was <laughs> pleasantly surprised. It, it was uh, not as structured and well and put together. I think we do a lot better now, but it, it was a, uh, I had a good, good chuckle a couple times listening to it. Yeah. For those that aren't aware the the bleacher connection podcast was more or less born out of the fact that Ken and I, didn't get an opportunity to hang out and, and shoot the breeze about sports nearly as often as, as we would normally um, with COVID and everything. You know, Ken and I actually personally haven't seen each other in almost over a year now. Um, but we needed to have a platform where we could still continue to talk about sports. It, it's, it's our lives and it, it's what we do. So we kind of thought, hey, what, what better platform than than a podcast. You know, we were going to do it anyways. We were going to shoot the breeze about it. So why not throw it out there for some people to listen to? And like Ken said, it, it's been, it's been exciting. It's, it started off a little slow in May. We had a couple of, you know, fun episodes where we did a few top 10 lists and, and such. And I, this would actually take me back to some of my favorite work on the podcast so far year to date. And that's my top 10 Vancouver Canucks list of all time. <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to listen to it from a Flames fans perspective, it is gold. It's uh, I, I put a good spin on it. Ken, Ken did, you know, his typical list of his actual top 10 Canucks. And I did a spin of it from Flames fans. And for those that haven't listened, I had Mark Messier as the greatest Canuck of all time. But you have to tune into the episode to find out why I believe that. Yeah, that, that one was uh, fun for me to do on the Canuck side of things. Painful to listen to you go through your list. I uh, When we did the Calgary Flames one, I, I took a little bit of a spin on that one. I mean, Dennis Weidman really isn't the tenth uh, number 10 flame in history, but he did make the list. No, but it, it was fun. I think the uh, when we did that overrated list and did the player introductions for that, that was probably one of the funnest ones that we've done. I think we finished that one and we were just, we were laughing pretty hard at the end for that. So. Yeah, that was probably my actual overall favorite episode was when we did our all overrated team. That was putting that together. It was a lot of effort to put it together, but it was well worth it. I, it was doing the intros and everything was an absolute blast and I, I would love to do something like that again. Uh, another one of my favorite episodes is our CFL episode right around Grey Cup time. Uh, for those of our listeners that know, Ken and I are avid Canadian Football League fans. 
and missing out on our, our league for this season was very difficult on us. And it was a chance for us to reminisce about some good old times of the Canadian football league and, and how much we miss it. So that episode really stands out to me as well as one of the, my favorite ones that we got to do. Yeah. And I just think we're personally, I think we've, we've grown a lot in how we do the podcast now and it, it, it shows because now we have a second show to get ready for here coming up. And like I said, like we said, this is the two for chirping is going to be essentially a, a dream job we do for free. Well, hopefully not for free forever, but yeah. <laughs> if it is, who cares? Like yeah. what's better than, than talking hockey, honestly. And it's a chance for me to still hang out with my best bud, you know, even with COVID restrictions and just talk hockey and, and the Bleacher Connection gives us the opportunity to expand beyond just hockey, which is, you know, to other passions of ours, like the Toronto Blue Jays and Major League Baseball. And, and it's, it's just a wonderful platform. And, and you know, I got to give my buddy Ken props here. It was his idea to, to begin with. And I'm not going to lie, I was skeptical right off the bat. You know, as we had almost no listeners for the first few episodes, I was kind of like, well, this seems like a wonderful idea, but you know, we stuck with it and we've actually got some really exciting things coming just this week alone. We're going to be doing a quad podcast NHL, you know, season review show or season preview show, which is extremely exciting and all and the beginning of two for chirping. So lots of great stuff coming and, and we've come a long way, Ken. So thank you. Yeah, no reason that definitely like, I just wanted something to do. We weren't able to get together. We only live maybe three hours apart and we would get together quite often to, to hang out. And with COVID that hasn't happened. So it's, it's just a nice way to hang out with my best friend. So. Yeah. yeah. No, and thank you, Ken, for coming up with the idea. And thank you to all of our listeners who tuned in over the last, you know, I guess six months or so it's, it's without you guys, there's no reason to do this. And we, we enjoy the feedback that we do get and, some of the Twitter banter, the going back and forth. I personally was into it last night with one of your Vancouver Canuck fans, and it was just a riot. It's it, it's given us a new platform to have some fun, and and I can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, no, it's been good. Devin, thank you to everyone that is tuning in and listening. We do appreciate it. So that's Offside, brought to you by our partners at Lids Canada. With the NHL, NBA, and NFL all in full flight, now would be a great time to click on the link in our Twitter link tree bio and take advantage of the savings for all your team apparel needs. So, Ken, what caught your eye this week in the world of sports? Well, I think one thing that caught my eye was the nationally televised games came out for the teams in the U.S. And the one thing that I thought was just completely offside is the Chicago Blackhawks who are let's face it they're, they're no longer a contender I don't think it's a secret that they're they're not a top tier team anymore they got seven games nationally televised the Detroit Red Wings got five and yet a team like Colorado I think they maybe got five possibly less there's just no need to have the Blackhawks and the Red Wings on TV that many times. Yes, they are original six teams. Yes, they are very marketable. But the quality of hockey is not there. Now, if there are, if the Chicago Blackhawks are being nationally televised seven times, 
and they get blown out seven times. Is that really worth watching? Why wouldn't you take a look at the schedule, find the most competitive games and put those on television nationally, as opposed to just, well, we can make a few extra dollars off of Chicago and Detroit. There are some really good teams out there that are not getting the games on television. And I just think it's wrong. Yeah. I there's teams like the Carolina hurricanes that get next to no national coverage and they should, in my opinion, it's an up and coming team in the league. And unfortunately, and I fully understand why the NHL does this. You want as many viewership eyes in the biggest cities in the United States, but are you doing a disservice to the game by having a team like the Detroit Red Wings, who clearly are going to be one of the bottom feeders in the league this year and showing them kind of nationally as your, Hey, this is our spectacle of the game. I just, I don't fully agree with it. There's teams like Carolina and me. I actually think the Florida Panthers could go for having a little bit more national exposure. You've got some really, really good players on these teams that aren't getting the, the amount of coverage that they should. You know, you got Jonathan Huberto in Florida. You've got uh, Sebastian Ajo in Carolina. These guys are superstars. And half the, the United States and, and the hockey world doesn't even know about them because we still have to watch, you know, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane seven times a year. And I'm not saying those guys aren't still really good players, but I, they're past their prime. They're past their best before date. Let's move on and focus on some other players and give them an opportunity. Yeah, the, the Colorado Avalanche have an amazing team. I think they're going to be a definite cup contender this year if they can stay healthy. Let's see them more. Let's see them play Dallas some more. Let's see them play Vegas. Let's see some of those teams that are exciting to watch. They're going to put out a competitive product on the ice and bring some excitement to the game. You know, we were talking with uh, Jimmy from far into the bench about uh, two for chirping. And he was saying the coverage isn't as good as it is in Canada for the U.S. You don't get to see as many of the teams outside of your local area. So make it so that the people that are hockey fans get to see all the exciting players that the league is trying to promote. Instead of just hearing about it or seeing a clip online or on on SportsCenter show the game to everyone, let them see what it actually looks like for a full game. Yeah. I actually, yesterday the NHL hinted, well, it wasn't the NHL. It was some Twitter insiders hinted at the fact that there might be some games played at Lake Tahoe that you know, would feature Colorado and Vegas and Philly. And I can't remember who the fourth team is off the top of my head. And there was a tweet that I saw that exactly summed up Ken and mine, mine's point right here. And it was, Wow, that's a lot of uh, opposition for the Chicago Blackhawks that day. And to me, that, that's just such a, a, a reflection of the coverage that the Blackhawks get when they shouldn't. Because it is common knowledge that these guys are on national TV way more than they should be. They've had way more outdoor games than any other team has had. And it's time to almost move on. And it was absolute gold what I saw on Twitter last yesterday and I laughed. I, I can't lie. It, it was so funny. Yeah. The, the same teams get the outdoor games. They get the marquee stadium series, all that kind of stuff. Spread it around. Sp- showcase the league. 
don't just showcase a handful of teams that you know you might get a few more dollars out of showcase the league and show what it's all about that's yeah. to me that is why that is offside the second thing this week there's one that caught my eye and i think it's extremely offside i'm not sure you agree with me quite as much on this one and that's the boston bruins moving on from zidane ochara i have a major issue with this on the bruins perspective i know ochara's 44 can be 44 years old this season I know he's past his best before date. This guy has bled the colors of the Bruins, you know, yellow and black for years. He has been the captain, the warrior, the, the fixture of the Boston Bruins. And the fact that they aren't even allowing him to finish his career with them. And I don't know if this was spurheaded by Jeremy Jacobs, the owner or management in, in Don Sweeney. I don't know which which one spearheaded it, but it's wrong. This guy, Zidane Chara, should have been afforded the opportunity to finish his career in Boston. No questions asked. And the fact that they didn't allow that opportunity, where's the loyalty? I know in the past we've we've harped on the Vegas Golden Knights over loyalty and cutting loose players. And to me, this is no different. This guy is the Boston Bruins. He's led you to multiple Stanley Cup appearances and a championship in 2011. What are you doing? Come on. I do get what you're saying with it. And this, I do, I don't find it as offside as you do. I look at this as a situation where I would even go back to Marty Broder and the New Jersey Devils. He's won a cup. He's been in the league. This is going to be his 24th season. He spent the last 14 in Boston. The Boston Bruins window is closing. They have some guys who are getting older, guys that are a little more injury prone. They need to look at and go, okay, our window is closing. We need to either introduce the young guys, get them in the lineup, and keeping Char around is going to take that opportunity away from someone. So I don't have an issue with it. Like when Marty Brodeur was with the Devils and he wasn't done, but they were ready to bring keep him for another year. He moved on and went to St. Louis and didn't really do much of anything. He didn't last the year. And I think Chara probably could have retired a Bruin. And I think that what everyone would have, would have been okay with that. Him deciding to play another year. He hasn't even said that this is his last year. He's just that he's continuing his career. So I don't have an issue with the Boston Bruins saying, okay, we respect your choice to play. Unfortunately, we can't give you that opportunity here. It is unfortunate. He is, he is, you're right, the Boston Bruins. He's been their captain. He's been the face of the franchise for over a decade. I don't, I don't fault them for moving on. You and I both saw it with our teams, the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks, when the Canucks had to move on from Marcus Nasland, who was the face of the franchise. And the Flames had to move on from Jerome McGinley. It's tough to see. But at a certain point in time, you you got to make those tough decisions. I don't fault Boston in this case for it. See, I think those scenarios are different, though, than the Chara scenario, because in both those, and, I, and I'm going to, I think the Marty Brodeur is different as well, is Boston is still in a winning window. When, you know, the Flames and Canucks moved on from the other players, they weren't in winning windows. And Brodeur wasn't a starting goalie anymore. So I can understand 
not wanting to have him on the ice for 50 games a season. To me, the big thing is, and how I look at it, is on a league on a one year league minimum deal because that's essentially what he got in Washington. Is it J- is Zidane Chara still not one of your six best defensemen on in a season where you are trying to win a Stanley Cup? And if the answer is yes, you made a mistake because you're still in a Stanley Cup window, and you let one of your six best defensemen walk on a league minimum deal. So. I don't see a justification where any of the younger guys that they're going to bring into the lineup are better than Chara and that moving on from Chara makes them better this year. I just, I can't get on board with that. But did he sign the league minimum because that's all he was getting offered? Like, did he ask the Bruins for two, three million for one year? And they said, no, we're, we're good. And his only option was the league minimum. How many guys are out? There was talk of him almost going to Montreal on a PTO because he wasn't getting a deal, but then didn't because of the whole COVID situation, his family not being able to go. So he chose to stay in the U S his family's going to stay in Boston, but did he take the one year league minimum? Because that's all he was being offered. He may have asked Boston for more money. And if he did, that's where I say good to walk. Yeah. I think you and I might have to uh, agree to disagree on this one. I think it's tremendously offside. Obviously you don't, um, I guess, I guess <laughs> there's not much else to be said on this. I think, uh, I'd like to tell you that I'm right, but you do make some good arguments here. So I can't fault you on that. And, and we'll just have to respectfully, respectfully agree to disagree on this one. I'm going to tweet at you for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you guys think. Am I offside thinking that the Bruins are, are totally in the wrong here moving on from Chara? You know, tweet at us at the BleacherCon one, at the BleacherCon two, or reach out on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection. I'd love to hear from you guys. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, so let me know. All right, so moving on, we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start talking some goaltending here, Trevor. NHL.com came up with their Super 16 list of goaltenders, which I honestly think is probably eight too many to come up with 16 goaltenders that are. Super, that's a tough list. And there's some names on here that honestly, I don't think they should be here. Yeah, I can't really disagree with you on that. Um, To me, the list is at least six goalies too long. Uh, When you're talking about a Super 16, that's over half the goalies in the league, essentially from each team having to be on the list. Uh, I think you and I would agree the top end of the list, there's, there's really nothing wrong with that. Uh, as we've discussed in previous episodes, we both believe Andre Vasilevsky probably is the best goaltender in the league. Uh, he plays on the best team. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, Tuka Rask, Carey Price. I don't have a huge issue with any of those. Um, Carey Price, and I, I've kind of given him a hard time in the past. That's more for his career work. You know, I still think he's a, a tremendous goalie. I just like I said, he hasn't ever really actually won anything. So that's why, you know, I, I've given him a hard time in the past. But, you know, he had a great season last year and, and I could see him doing it again. To me, the fact that there's two teams here that have two goalies represented on it is odd in my perspective. The, the, the first name that really jumps out on my list, of, on the list, sorry, for me is Anton Hudobin. 
in Dallas for the stars. Listen, this guy's not even the starting goalie on his team and nor was he going to be had it not been for, for some injuries to Ben Bishop and the fact that he had an okay run in the playoffs to get to the Stanley cup finals doesn't to me justify putting him on this list right off the bat. He he's not even, he might, he's not even going to get 50% of the starts next year, most likely. So how can he be considered one of the best? Yeah. Good open on this list is just, I, I even have issue with Ben Bishop being on this list. I don't think that them being a essentially now probably a tandem puts them in the super 16. I don't think Ben Bishop should be ranked ninth on this list and Goodobin probably shouldn't even be on it. The other team with both their goaltenders on here is the gold biggest golden Knights with Robin Lehner and Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury lost a job in Vegas. So how do you put him in there as super 16? I, I don't get it. He was, they brought in Lehner because they didn't trust that Fleury would stay healthy and do the job. So how do you then put him on the super 16 this should be an elite eight if you want to break it down that way 16 forwards is real easy to find a top group of 16 that you really you know what we we jack eichel was the one name that you and i both said well you could easily take off and maybe find one or two to replace with this whole list of 16 john gibson uh, like how is john gibson on this list i even take issue with Braden holtby being on the list right like Braden holtby will share time with Thatcher Demko this year in Vancouver, but his numbers have not been super over the last few years. Uh, Bobrovsky and his goaltending last year. Again, I go to Bobrovsky being an overrated player who is a product of the team in front of him. And that was in Columbus. Darcy Kemper at 11. Again, the, the bottom end of this list, essentially from nine down, Ben Bishop, Frederick Anderson, Darcy Kemper, Anton Goudobin, Marc-Andre Fleury, John Gibson, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Braden Holpe, they're filler because they didn't want to go to an Elite Eight. They wanted to keep their Super 16 uh, theme running, and there's just a whole lot of wrong on this list. Jordan Bennington at seven. Sorry, the, the guy has had about a season and a bit worth of experience in the NHL right now, and he lost the net in the playoffs. Yeah, He is a big reason that the St. Louis Blues were eliminated by the Vancouver Canucks in the first round. Bennington had 30 games as a rookie and was lights out, won the Stanley Cup. I, I don't believe that that and his season last year puts him as a Super 16 goaltender. Yeah, Jordan Bennington to me was a little bit high on this list, um, especially ahead of some more established goaltenders. Uh, I don't have an issue actually with John Gibson. I think he is a tremendous talent on a very bad team. And I don't think the Anaheim Ducks woes are John Gibson's fault. So I'm, I personally would actually have him higher on this list, probably within the top 10, because to me, he is one of the best goalies in the league. Jordan Bennington, like you just said, he lost the net in the playoffs. I know he won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago. But he came in late in the year, only played half a season, and then won the Cup. But he struggled last season, not just in the playoffs. He he wasn't the Jordan Bennington that we saw in 2019. So I'm not well, convinced that uh, he should be that high on the list. Uh, another name I think is a little high on the list, and I'm not saying he's not a good goalie, is Carter Hart. 
he's only played roughly 40 games in the NHL and he had good numbers, but that's a pretty small sample size to be saying he's the sixth best goaltender in the NHL behind the best in the game. And again, you brought him up right at the bottom of the list, Braden Holtby at 16. I'm sorry. He wasn't even the starting goaltender in Washington for the last two seasons and chances are he's not even going to get the lion's share of the starts in Vancouver this year. So I, I have, uh, I have a hard time with his name being on this list. This isn't a career achievement award. This is supposed to be the best goalies heading into next season. Yeah. And I think you and I can both agree that uh, Jacob Markstrom at number eight is too low. This is a guy whose career has come together nicely. He was, talked about for all off season as being the number one target. I know the guys on hockey night in Canada, Kelly Rudy absolutely loves him and had him as one of the best goaltenders in the league. And even as a Canucks fan, while he was there, I thought that was a little, a little high. I don't think he does beat out uh, Andre Vasilevsky or Connor Hellebuck, but I would put him top. I would move him up to four and price to five. I think Markstrom is that good. I don't think he gets the respect that he's earned because he has put together quite a career. And I think he is a very good goaltender. I personally don't actually have an issue with where Markstrom is. He's, he is a, was the backbone of the Vancouver Canucks for the last couple of seasons, but I don't know. Is he better than Robin Lehner? I don't know that he is. Is he better than Carey Price? I don't know that he is. I think he's in the conversation. I do think he's probably better than Jordan Bennington and has a bigger sample size than Carter Hart. So I may move him up one or two spots, but I I personally don't take huge issue with where he is on this list. The one reason I say higher is because you look at the guys at the top. Andre Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck, Tuka Rask, they don't necessarily need to steal you games to get a win. The Vancouver Canucks got a lot of their wins behind Markstrom's goaltending. He stole games for them. That's why I would put him higher on that list. Yeah, you know what? That's a, that's a fair point. The the goalies at the top of this list do play on the best team. So are they potentially, I don't want to say overrated, but are, are their stats a little inflated because they do play on such good teams? So, you know, that, that's actually a very fair point, Ken. I'll give you that. Other than that, yeah, I think the NHL.com needs to go to a different uh, rating system. Super 16 for forwards and defensemen, sure and go to an elite eight for goaltending. Cause when you go 16, you are stretching. You're going 50% of the league starting goaltenders. You had to fill the list out with uh, four players from two teams. So that's yeah. not really a, a great sample size. Was there anybody in your opinion who may have got snubbed on this list at all? No. Cause I think you had, once you get rid of those, those 16 names on the list, you're reaching to find a 17, 18 to try and, replace someone with so i don't think there's any snubs on that list maybe a Corey crawford again that would be a career achievement one yeah i, I don't think so no i wouldn't put no. crawford up there no i when i did originally looked at the list i didn't no name jumped out to me of guys who who should have been on the list there's guys a couple of years back maybe jonathan quick in los angeles who could have a rebound season and potentially make the list next year or uh, Corey Crawford, but other than that, nothing really jumped out at me. Not like the top forwards list where 
where guys like Steven Stamkos were uh, kind of neglected. Nothing yeah. really jumped off the page to me. So yeah, they seem to be selective when they're looking at career achievements for putting guys on lists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, this portion of the show was brought to you by Fubo TV. This portion of the show was brought to you by Fubo TV. The Bleacher Connection and the Unhinged Sports Network have partnered with Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV? Fubo TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, and ESPN, without the hassle of the cable contract. If you want to check it out, click the link in our uh, Twitter bios and our link tree and start your seven day trial now. So, moving on to the next topic in our discussion today, Ken, and this really centers around the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I think it evolves into other teams. And is there blatant salary cap circumvention going on in the NHL these days? This week, we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning trade some of their long-term injured reserves, or actually, sorry, acquired some contracts from the Ottawa Senators that they're straight up putting on long-term injured reserve. And in the NHL, what that does is when you put somebody on long-term injured reserve, you essentially get to remove their salary from your salary cap, which then allows you to then re-sign other players with that money that you're then saving. So Ken, is there blatant circumvention going on here? Absolutely believe there is. I mean, the Ottawa Senators just had Ryan Callahan retire. He was another one of their LTIR contracts that they had just to meet the, the number of contracts you need to have on your roster. They do fill that roster spot. They don't hit your cap. But then they also had Marion Gabrick. They've had Dion Phaneuf. They had Anders Nielsen. And then they trade Nielsen and Gabrick for two fairly decent players in Braden Coburn and Cedric Paquette. This allows the Tampa Bay Lightning to reduce their their cap hit. And I get so frustrated with it. This is not a new thing. How many times did Nathan Horton get traded and other players? Pavel Datsuk's contract. Yeah. um, Chris Pronger's contract. Chris Chris Pronger, Mark Savard. All these guys who are never going to play another game are being tossed around the league because they know it's just a way to free up cap space on the contracts and sign other players or just hit the cap floor without putting out a decent team. I have real issue with it for this reason. And this isn't me being a Canucks fan complaining, but the Canucks have Roberto Luongo's contract on the books for two more seasons for cap recapture penalty for the contract they signed him to. And I don't necessarily have an issue with that because of the way that the contract was structured. It was meant to pay him less money in his latter years heading into retirement. Where my issue comes in is that they allow these contracts, the LTI long-term injury reserve ones to be traded so that teams can circumvent the cap. So why do you allow it for one way, but not the other? I, I, this is where it becomes very, unsettling for me and I don't like it because it is circumventing the cap. Now for the viewers that may not understand what Ken's talking about with uh, Roberto Luongo, the the Vancouver Canucks were charged a a salary cap penalty essentially of a couple million dollars a year 
because Luongo retired. Now, had he not retired and had they put him on long-term injured reserve and not the Canucks, uh, I think it would have been the Florida Panthers. It would have been the Panthers, yeah. Had they put Luongo on long-term injured reserve, then there wouldn't have been any penalties. But because Luongo retired, the team that initially signed the player to the contract gets dinged a portion of the player's contract stretched out over a period of time. So what I, what I, what Ken's trying to say is why didn't Luongo just go on LTIR and have circumvention that way, as opposed to him retiring, because now you rarely see the players retire and get the, the recapture penalty because the GMs and the teams get them to go on injured reserve instead. So I think it's a real problem in the game has been for a while, but it's, it, it really came to the forefront in the last two weeks when a team like the Tampa Bay lightning coming off a Stanley cup championship managed to re-sign all of their key players because of this kind of, let's call it technicality. And they really haven't other than Kucherov being hurt, but again, long-term injured reserve money, Kucherov's not going to play this year. So they, they got to keep everybody and come the playoffs next year. They're going to have a full team when realistically they shouldn't. And another issue I have is why did other teams let the, the lightning off the hook? I don't understand that either. Yeah. And the other thing with the long-term injured reserve contracts is the team doesn't actually pay it. So it's not as if these teams like Ottawa or Tampa that have several of them are actually paying the player out of their pocket. And I, I say this because the Vancouver Canucks are going to probably have Michael Furland on a long-term injured reserve status for this season, but because of his health injury or situation, they couldn't, it doesn't sound like they were able to insure his contract. So because of that, an insurance company is not going to be paying Michael Furland's four point whatever million this year. It still will be the Canucks. So for them, it's unfortunate because he had health issues that they couldn't insure the contract under where others have been injured during the season, gone on to long-term injured reserve and the team doesn't have to pay. So again, it's just a way these players that are being, their contracts are being passed around the league. They're essentially retired. These are guys on injuries or health concerns that are never going to be able to play again. With that being said, why does the league continue to allow it? That is my big problem with it. I, it just boggles my mind that you're going to have this rule to not circumvent the cap, but you're going to allow it every single time. These trades have to be approved. And what's weird about the, 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 the guys that are doing this, they're not one or two year removed from having not played in the league. Some of these guys haven't been in the NHL for four, five, six years, and their contracts are still counting towards either bringing teams up to the salary cap floor or being traded to allow teams to bury them and not take cap penalties to re-sign players. So to me, this was in the recent uh, um, collective bargaining agreement negotiations, a major issue that was missed. And maybe the, the GMs around the league probably didn't want to get rid of it. And I can imagine the players didn't either because it's allowing guys to still get paid who shouldn't be. 
and it's allowing GMs to be able to do some fancy footsteps around the salary cap. But from a fan perspective, I think it's ridiculous that that there's guys out there. Pavel Datsuk shouldn't be counting towards somebody's salary cap. He's he's playing in the KHL. Yeah. He's playing in the, in the continental hockey league and he's been gone for what, three or four seasons now yet. And I don't even know what team he's on anymore. I think his, his uh, contract's been moved a couple of times. Well, I think it it was last with Arizona. Yeah. Here's, here's the other big problem with it. Chris Pronger worked for, I believe I want to say the flyers while his contract was still being traded around the league. He was an employee of the Philadelphia Flyers. You're double dipping. You're being paid your NHL contract as an air quoting active player. And you're working for another team altogether. How, how is that even possible? That's what I don't like at all about it. Like Roberto Longo now is an employee of the Florida Panthers, but he's retired. So he's not getting paid that contract money anymore. The teams are being penalized for it, both Florida and Vancouver, but the Panthers are also paying him on top of that as an employee. Now, I don't think it's right that Chris Pronger was an employee of a team while his contract existed for someone else. Yeah. It kind of creates for a little of, I guess we'd call it a conflict of interest. It's like you're getting money from organization a, but your best interests are supposed to lie with organization B I don't know. It, it seems a little uh, uh, fishy to me. And I, I do have a major issue with, with this circumvention that's going on. And I'm shocked it wasn't fixed in the recent negotiations on the collective bargaining. And I, I'm actually kind of disappointed it wasn't because this is going to continue on oh, yeah. you know, as players, as players reach the end of the career, or as players suffer career ending injuries, they just become a trade chip. And it's not right in my opinion, you know, what if a guy like Milan Lucic with the Calgary flames all of a sudden has a, a, a major injury? Well, he's going to be a prime candidate for this to continue on. And it's not right. It's, it's blatantly disregarding the, the rules, even though I technically they're following the rules, but really it, it is circumvention and that should be costing these teams salary cap space and draft picks, but it's not. And and that's not right. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're not going to force the players to retire, which is their choice, then the league should just take, take on the contract. It should become, if the team or the league is not responsible for paying it, then it goes into a league bucket of LTIR contracts. And if for whatever reason, the player is able to come back and play again before their contract is up, then they go back to the team that they originally were still signed to. And if the team wants to keep them, trade them, whatever, that's on them. Right. But it shouldn't be what the, t- the league should take handle of that because these teams are trading first and second round picks for these contracts. It's not a seventh or sixth round draft pick that they're trading. They're either getting top draft picks or players for it. Well, yeah. And it's not even just uh, uh, dead salary cap injured players. You can look at the Patrick Marlowe trade from a couple seasons ago when, when Toronto traded into Carolina. Essentially, that was almost cap circumvention too because they essentially traded a, a, a guy who's just not a producer anymore along with a first-round pick just to get rid of that money. And 
whoever is approving these trades. These well, and that was legit, for, but that was also for Carolina to buy him out, exactly. not keep him. They paid the first round pick for Carolina to buy him out for that money to hit their cap, not Toronto's. Yeah, and they essentially acquired a first round pick to buy out a guy. There's got to be some rules against that as well, where you can't acquire a guy to buy him out and let another team off the hook. Like it's, it's creative maneuvering. I'll, I'll give the NHL general managers that, you know, they've long been able to, since the beginning of the salary cap world in 2005, they've found every loophole possible and taken advantage of it. And it, it, it started with the, essentially the eliminating of the, the second year contract to, or the, the, the second pro contract where they, they started signing 19 and 20 year olds to these seven year mega deals. To me, that was the beginning of the cap circumvention where it was, okay, well, instead of letting these guys grow into superstars, pay them immediately just to keep them on our team. It's kind of been a, a slippery downhill slope ever since. And now it's really evolved into trading dead contracts for salary cap space. And, I don't like it. Dirty pool, in my opinion. Dirty pool. That's a that's a good term for it. All right. Well, let us uh, let us know what you think on that. Do you think that these contracts are fine? Do you think they should change? Uh, let us know on Twitter at the BleacherCon One, at the BleacherCon Two, or on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. So, moving on to our last topic of the day, and it's going to kind of continue on with a salary cap theme. Ken, is it time for Major League Baseball to maybe adopt a salary cap? This week, we saw the San Diego Padres make a series of significant moves, bringing on a ton of Major League salary, essentially becoming a juggernaut overnight. Is there something wrong with the politics of baseball? Well, they brought in a bunch of top-end talent and and included money as well to a bunch of money they already spent and are going to have to spend. Manny Machado is making 300 million with the Padres over 10 years. Uh, Tatis Jr. is going to need to be paid. I, I could imagine he'll get something close to Machado money uh, fairly quick. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think baseball needs to go to a salary cap era, if you want to call it that. Right now they have the luxury tax where if you spend over a certain amount – you got to pay a luxury tax to the league. But the biggest problem, the reason I say yes, they need a salary cap is the smaller market teams can't compete. The Cleveland Indians, as an example, have churned out a ton of superstars over the last, you know, two decades kind of thing here. But they always end up trading them away because they can't pay them. There's a reason Francisco Lindor's name is being used as a trade chip right now because he only has one year left on his contract and Cleveland can't compete with some of the bigger market teams to pay him the money he deserves. Cleveland can't give Francisco Lindor a 10 year, $300 million contract. Well, they could, but then they couldn't sign anyone else. Yeah. It would be the Francisco Lindor show and everyone else would go away. They have a lot of good players. They've had to trade them away. They've brought some back later on in their careers, but Take a look at, you look at this past World Series, the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw combined on the Dodgers made more than the entire Rays roster. 
yes, the Rays were in the World Series. Good coaching, you know, good play, all of that. You can do it. But they have themselves traded away superstars because they can't pay them. Chris Archer, David Price, uh, the list goes on of guys Blake that have. Snell. Yeah, Blake Snell now. I think Blake Snell was moved because he may have been a little unhappy over getting pulled in that World Series game. And I don't blame him. Evan Longoria is another example. Yeah, Evan. Right uh, after yeah. the Rays went to the last World Series, he was he was moved out shortly after as well for financial reasons. Yeah. So I think if you want to create a competitive league where everyone can compete every game, you need to go to a salary cap. The luxury tax is great. Yes, the team will get dinged for going over whatever. But if they've got the deep, deep, deep pockets, who cares? What is that really deterring? It's it's not deterring anything. You look at the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and those teams and how many times they have a hundred million dollars or more in their starting lineup. It's just ridiculous. I think it's time that the change comes to major league baseball. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. Like I, I'm not going to profess myself to be a, uh, an expert on the, the financials of baseball, but I do think, and we see this in the national hockey league and, and some of the other sports that have a salary cap, it creates a little bit of uh, a competitive playing field. If it, it flattens it for everybody and teams like, you know, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Minnesota twins, Chicago white Sox to some extent in a major market have never been huge players in it. It kind of levels the playing field for these guys. And is it kind of fun to watch the Yankees, you know, go and spend all this money and then fail? Yeah, it is. But you know, does it happen all the time? No. Did I enjoy watching the Boston Red Sox fail this year? Yeah, I'm not going to lie, but that's kind of the exception and not the norm. And it's only a matter of time before these big pocket, deep pocketed teams have the wherewithal to spend all this money again. So from a competitive standpoint, I would love to see a, a salary cap brought into major league baseball, but from kind of that, this is a bit of a different perspective it's fun to have those dynasty teams and watch them and see them succeed. As a sports fan, you always root against wanting to beat that dynasty. You know, so is there anything wrong with that? I don't know if there is. So let, let's play what ifs here. What if you had a salary cap, but you could spend over it, but there was a still a luxury tax situation where you could only spend a certain amount over right? Major League Soccer does allow, they have a bit of a salary cap, but they do allow for essentially superstar contracts. You're allowed to go above what you can spend to bring that in. So if you had to say an exception. Yeah. So if you had a salary cap and I'm just throwing numbers here, because you've got a a fairly large roster you got to deal with and, you know, pay your players, but say it's 120 million. What if you had a 10 to 15% overage you could go but if you did you had to pay a penalty maybe it's a second round draft pick maybe it's right if you want to do that you got to pay so maybe you got to give up a draft pick or you got to pay to uh, a fund in the league that can gets to disperse to the lower half of the league so that they can then spend the money if they don't have it right if you have something like that you could then take that money and use it to potentially help the financially 
hurting teams maintain their level of play so that they can then build up the quality, bring the fans back. Because a lot of the times you go to these stadiums and if the team's not good, they're not filling it, right? Take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays. If they don't have a competitive team, the fans don't go. And it looks really bad on TV when you have an empty stadium and a good ball game going on. So and I don't could, think the Blue Jays, that, that's not unique to them either. That's almost every team. When you don't have a good team, the fans aren't coming. Yeah. And so you don't get the, the financial benefit of fans in seats. You don't get the ticket sales. You don't get the merch. You don't get the concession sales. You could then take that money because the teams are going to overspend. The Dodgers are going to overspend. Who else? We have the Yankees, Boston, all those teams. They're going to overspend. So let them overspend a little bit, take that money and funnel it through to the teams that are need some help financially. You will see a better product overall and more money coming in once those teams are competitive. Yeah, I don't know that I can really disagree with that. I, I would like to see a bit of a competitive balance in Major League Baseball. Being a Blue Jays fan, we're in probably one of the worst divisions for it with having a, a couple of teams with uh, financial might that others don't. I don't know that it's quite as bad as the National League West now with the Dodgers. And I'm kind of surprised that a team like San Diego went and spent all that money in, in bringing in you know guys like Blake Snell. But it also kind of excites me because as a Blue Jays fan, is this kind of a sign that our team can do it too? I'd love to see it. You know, we, we've heard about it for so long and from Rogers and from, and from management and ownership, but is this kind of a trigger? Hey, we can do this too. And maybe we should, you know, San Diego looks poised to be very good for at least the, the foreseeable future. They kind yeah, of went with the, uh, the, the Tisk Tisk Houston, Houston Astros model where they, they were really bad for a really long time and accumulated a lot of really good players. And, and now they're making moves. So is this the way you build a team in the Major League Baseball? Potentially it might be because they look like a juggernaut. Well, yeah, and there's also, I mean, to be fair, Trevor Bauer is rumored to every team in the Major League Baseball right now. Yeah. But apparently he, he uh, took a call with the Padres as well. Trevor Bauer also took a call with the Blue Jays recently now i think one thing if you want to talk changes to major league baseball that could be financially benefiting and if you wanted to make the league more competitive i think you go with a salary cap here but i think if you want to put more people in the seats let's be honest let's get rid of playing the yankees red Sox, orioles and rays a hundred times out of 162 game season and spread out spread out the season the Major League Baseball, I like the way it's set up because it's not an East-West conferencing situation. You have your American League and your National League, but you have teams in both leagues in one state, in one city, even so. So why not play these teams more? I bet you you would get more fans coming to the stadium in Toronto to watch the Angels play, to watch the Padres play more, they only get two series a year against the other American League teams. They, usually, they get a home and an away. Increase that number. I get so 
I love baseball and I'll, I will watch the games. I will still watch them all, but it gets so boring to watch the same teams over and over and over and over again. Obviously 2020 is a different situation, but we did get to see teams we normally wouldn't. And it was fun to see. It was nice to see the Marlins and the Phillies and some of those other teams, Washington, that we never, we never really get to see throughout a season. So open it up, play more. You probably will draw more fans by bringing in essentially a new product to watch. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with that. I don't think you take a, a hit in attendance when it's the Yankees and the Red Sox coming to town, but I definitely do think you take a hit in attendance when it's the Orioles and Tampa Bay Rays coming to town numerous times a season. And could you find a way to have Seattle Mariners come to town a little more often? You know, there's a pretty good rivalry there strictly for geographically speaking because of the West coast of Canada, there's a pretty good rivalry there. You know, I would love to see Mike Trout play in Toronto a little more often than the one time three games a year. And quite often he only plays two of those three games. Yeah. I'd love to see some of these guys. I want to see Tatis in San Diego. I want to see, I don't, you know, Toronto and Texas had a great rivalry there for two or three seasons. Why not get to see that more often? I'm with you. I could, I could go with a lot less Baltimore Orioles and a lot more team A, B, C, or D. On, yeah. on the Blue Jays schedule. You, you may not even see the World Series champions come through your city in that, then the next season, let alone two seasons down the road. So wouldn't you want to showcase the Dodgers this year throughout the league? Have them go play every single team so that the, the rest of the league can compare themselves to the champs. You, can, you don't get it. You don't get to see how you stack up against the World Series champions. And I think that's a huge loss for the rest of the league. As a Blue Jays fan, I don't know that I want to see how they stack up <laughs> against the World Series champions. Well, at some point in time, you, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. I'll save our listeners the Ric Flair woo at the end, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you guys think. Are we off base thinking that there needs to be a salary cap in Major League Baseball? Do you guys like the moves that the, the Padres have made? Do you guys agree with any of our thoughts on less inter, uh, divisional games? We want to hear from you on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2. Reach out to us on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection. All right. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening in on the Unhinged Sports Network. As always, our premier show is Tuesdays. 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. That's on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Don't forget, January 8th, our premiere show of Two for Chirping. 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's going to be a whole lot of hockey talk. We're looking forward to it. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in.